0: okay so welcome to the gun control podcast you guys are going to be having your own discussion with this but we have a sample here with some people that have some pretty diverse backgrounds and so i'm going to let them introduce themselves who's speaking here so you've got me mr gojagi
1: you'll learn more about me but i'm gonna let these gentlemen introduce themselves um my name is mike stewart i am a high school teacher i actually teach at Carmen with high school uh, Mr. Gojiggy was student teacher for me, so everything that he does, you can blame me for. Um, and I'm,
2: I'm glad to be here, I guess. Uh, hi, my name is Robert Fenton, and I'm a teacher here at Beecher. I've been here for 29 years, going on my 30th year. Um, and I
3: teach foreign language, and I've been a world traveler, so I have uh, a lot of experience worldwide. My name is Terrence Green. I'm the Chief of Police of the Mount Morris Township Police Department. Um, Beecher High Schools within my district, and I'm glad to be participating in this topic, but I think it's a very important topic.
0: Absolutely. And so just a little bit, again, on just the purpose of why we're doing this, you guys are going to listen to us, and then you're going to be making your own podcast with similar questions. And, you know, it's pretty obvious why we're talking about this at the moment. We've had some recent mass shootings in the country. And the media has always capitalized on uh, elevating the discussion about mass shootings and pushing for reform. So I think it's an important time for us to talk about it and also for you as future people in our democratic system to talk about it. Hello, everybody. This is Jagi in the editing phase after we've recorded. And unfortunately, we've lost some of the audio. Some of it got corrupted. So you won't be able to listen to that part. So as you listen to this podcast, there'll be a few gaps. And I think it still is a valuable podcast to listen to. There's still a lot of good conversations we have, but there's just going to be a few gaps in there. What you missed in the beginning here, it's going to kind of jump to Mr. Fenton talking, is just a conversation that Chief Green had about youth and the music they listen to and the role models they have. Great conversation. Unfortunately, you won't be able to hear it. Um, I also introduced the essential questions for the video, which I'm just going to read off here really quickly. Uh, The first question of this discussion is, what are your general feelings about gun control in the United States? Also, number two, what do you feel is the inherent cause of gun violence in America? And lastly, what is the best course of action to bring about political change in this issue? So it's going to be picking up kind of toward the tail end of our first conversation you're gonna miss the beginning I still hope you enjoy it yeah okay
2: so we're talking about the availability of guns to uh, the um, American citizen and and the uh, caliper or the uh, size of gun they carry as opposed to what the uh, uh, police force is carrying. And I, I pose posed a question to officer Green. Um, uh, how do you feel about that? Or, or, you know, is there quite a big difference between the, the
3: kind of guns you guys mm-hmm. use and what is used against you? Well, that's a great question. Our, um, uh, police officers, they're equipped with, um, their primary weapon is a sidearm, a firearm, a handgun. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently we've been issuing um, patrol rifles, as a response to um, offenders, especially in these mass shootings, they're um, equipped better than we are. My officers are with um, these assault rifles. We that that's not our primary weapon. Um, these assault rifles have high capacity magazines that uh, are used in these mass shootings, and they can um, they can kill up to twenty people within seconds. And um, including these type of weapons, they have ammunition that can penetrate our ballistic vests. So
2: what has been your experience um, in the, in your career span of um, gun violence against you or against your um, your employees?
3: Well most recently um, in California they had a, um, a California highway uh, patrolman killed by an assault rifle. Um, a person will possess this patrol rifle in, in there, this was a normal traffic stop. So it, it, it's now it's occurring quite frequently. Uh, when officers are killed in the line of duty, majority of the time, um, the offender was in possession of some type of an assault rifle. Because as I stated, this type of ammunition can't penetrate a ballistic vest. Um, it can penetrate through a, a wall or a, um, a car door. Mm-hmm. So those are, as as a chief of police those are my main concerns with officers and and um, private citizens uh, um, within a person that has um, malice intent yeah. to um, you know c- um, conduct chaos being armed with um, assault rights
0: We might have lost the audio clip where you had kind of discussed a little bit about your personal thoughts on uh, citizens owning guns and the concept of self defense. I don't know what your experience has been, or if you just kind of maybe want to rehash that, just kind of your thoughts on citizens owning their own guns and how it affects your units. Well, yes, I'm a supporter of
3: the Second Amendment right, the right to bear arms. Um, I think um, citizens. Um, law-abiding citizens should be able to defend themselves in their own homes. Um, uh, we've had incidents where um, people have been victims of home invasions. Um, offenders enter their home, um, have was sexually assaulted, um, even killed some people. But they weren't; they, they had no means to defend themselves. So, mm-hmm. they, uh, uh, in that instance, I'm for uh, citizens to the right to bear arms. But in the same token. Also, um, when we respond to domestic violence situations, it's quite so often if a person has access to a firearm and what we describe as in the heat of the moment, if they have access to that firearm several times, they pick up that firearm, use it without thinking. By that time, it's too late. So um, I have concerns under situations like that, but um, I don't know how we can solve an issue like that. It's just, you know, um, only thing we can do is those people that are eligible or that can possess a firearm, I'm for that. But I think it has to be there has to be some type of gun control.
2: Do you think there should be a limit on like uh, the kind of gun Uh, that they can own or have in the house? For example, you know, just a little pistol as opposed to an AK-40 or something like that. You know, um, should we limit that or should there be a law set out or something said that you can't have a gun any more powerful than this to defend yourself in
3: your house? You had mentioned earlier about, you know, um, a person not being able to uh, possess or purchase an assault rifle, Mm -hmm. AK-47 style. Um, I don't know any reason why a person would need to drive around in their vehicle with an assault rifle what what other purpose is there in order to harm someone mm-hmm. some, someone else or mm-hmm. conduct a mass shooting um, if a person is, is uh, possessing a firearm for defense to protect themselves um, a handgun is just just as efficient mm-hmm. but um, I, I i don't think a person an individual. Should be able to walk into a gun show, walk into a gun shop and purchase 10 multiple assault rifles. For what per- what other purpose yeah. would you be purchasing? So
0: like for? here's a, a statistic that I found interesting, and it's it was from Gallup in 2018. It said that most homicides in the country are not with assault rifles. It's with handguns and that handgun violence is really where there's where we see the most fatalities and problems but it also said that 71% of people in the country opposed banning handguns. So there's kind of a, there's a uh, disagreement there, I guess, amongst, because we, you know, we, we have this huge conversation. We know assault rifles are dangerous. We know that there's a lot of people that, you know, get them when they probably don't need them. But I guess I was curious, maybe what, if someone had a thought on uh, should we ban handguns if they're the main cause of.
1: Well, can I, I, I think, What I've thought about is um, these people who are using assault weapons are not um, Mm. necessarily doing it at home. A lot of the handgun violence, like Officer Green has said, might be domestic violence or, um, sorry to say, gang violence and all this stuff that happens with handguns. People use handguns because they're easy and they're quick and you can hide them in your belt. The problem that I have with assault weapons is I'm a school teacher and I have two kids who are in school, going into middle school and high school. And I don't want them. I don't want your students or my students to have to be afraid to go to school because every single mass shooting that we have seen in the last few years has been done with an assault weapon from Parkland to Dayton to to the church shooting to Las Vegas. These, yeah. are, these are high caliber, high round magazines that are fast. And the, the Dayton shooter killed nine people or what was it? Nine. Ten, nine. ten people, yeah, yeah. nine or ten people mm-hmm. in, in less than a minute. Mm-hmm. Thirty seconds. Before somebody else. Yeah, 30 seconds before somebody else started shooting. Including his own sister. And, and every single one of us wants to be able to walk around freely and safely. Recorded.
2: So, um, I, I kind of associate it like, uh, or similarly to the internet, the internet can be one of your best friends and help you find information at the drop of a hat and has connected the world and we can get information so quickly and communicate with people across the world so quickly. So it's a good thing, but yet there's a lot of bad that com- comes with that as well. And I, it's, it's like with guns. Yeah. I would like to have a gun to, to defend myself and my house if I, if I need but I, but, and I don't feel I need a huge gun or just any kind of gun. I don't have one myself. Uh, but it's something that people feel they need it. You know, that's fine. But it, 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 you've got the bad side of that where so many people want these guns to either feel powerful or I'm going to use this because
0: I'm disgruntled and
2: I, yeah. I'm going to take it out on
0: our society. Now, maybe we can address this argument because it might be one that some of our students that might be listening to this might not be aware of. But and Mr. Stewart might be able to explain this the best. But when we talk about the origins of the Second Amendment, the history back when our founding fathers came up with it, you know, maybe do you want to clarify a little bit? So why do we have the Second Amendment in the
1: first place? Well, your, your history students should appreciate and, and really should study the Constitution, um, because a lot of people don't, and they, they hear about the Second Amendment, they don't understand the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment was heavily debated. Um, every, every colony, every original colony had some version of gun control. Every single one of them had some version of gun control that said you can or you can't own weapons. Uh, militia members were required to have a gun in their house because they had to be ready to fight at, at any given notice. And so they included that amendment to the Constitution that said a, re- a well-regulated militia was necessary for the defense of the country against a tyrannical government or an invading force or whatever. They did include the right to bear arms in there. And that's the part that everybody has interpreted as I myself individually have a right to bear arms. But even that wasn't the case until 2008, when the Supreme Court ruled on a case and and said, right to bear arms individually. And, and most people don't know this. When we were growing up, these assault weapons and, and this unbelievable access to these most violent of weapons didn't exist. We weren't growing up with machine guns everywhere. And, so, and now we do because there, there was also in 1994, Bill Clinton was the president, and they bipartisan Republicans and Democrats passed an assault weapons ban. In 2004, the Republicans let it pass. They let yeah, it. They didn't renew it. Expired. It expired. And from since 2004, if you look at the number of mass shootings and. And how everything has gone down since 2004. There's been like a 70% increase in mass shootings and the number of deaths that happen yeah. due to these. I, I kind of just want to
0: dispel this argument, or maybe there's someone who disagrees with it. But I'm, but I know that I have my own kind of personal thoughts on it. But it's this idea that we need guns to protect ourselves against the tyranny of the government, and for me. For me, it's just not a really realistic argument nowadays, but I, I go on, you know, certain videos or certain media agencies and they're making this argument that we need assault weapons because what are hunting weapons and what are handguns going to do against government tyranny? And so I don't I, I mean, I, I'm pretty comfortable saying that that's not really a, a realistic argument for this time period. But I don't know if anybody has any. I, Different I, thoughts.
1: I totally agree with that. And yeah. now the people that I talk to, they're all threatening that if the government comes to take their guns, they're going to use their guns against the government. Yeah. So these people who are advocates of they will support the military and they will support the police and they will, they will, they're red, white, and blue unless someone tries to take their guns and then it's going to be civil war.
0: Okay. So we're going to finish off this cause of gun violence question by going to a point that is often very heavily discussed in the media, and that is on the issue of the mentally unstable. There's a lot of people who are on the pro-gun side who say that it's not guns we have to challenge, it's people that are mentally unstable. And statistics do show from Gallup that about 80% on both from both parties support uh, restricting gun ownership for the mentally ill, and also just to include people who are on a watch list. But it still doesn't answer the question. It's maybe what we're going to try to provide some clarity on here is, what do we do about those who are mentally ill? Is it mental illness that's the problem, or is it guns that's the problem?
1: They're both problems. Yeah. I, and that's the problem that I have with people is they, the, some people won't take either one as a problem. They want one of them to be the problem, the other not to be the problem. But there is also the idea that every time there's a mass shooting and it's a white kid doing the shooting, it's mental health. And it's not necessarily that. It it is. It's more than that. It can be mental health. It can be drugs. It can be a lot of things, but we automatically jump to it because of this mass shooting. And it just so happens that this person has an an AK-47 and an AR-15 and they, they can shoot off 30 rounds in a minute. And so using mental health as the reason, I don't agree with using mental health as a reason to go along with the violent guns, the access to guns, uh, the access to yeah, and the glorification of violence, all of it.
0: I think, I think we can be pretty, everybody here can be pretty comfortable talking about race, but it is, it, maybe a, we could talk about why is it always, you know, why is it usually white? Um, boys, is it something that our society is not doing for them? Um, Well,
3: I I think as far as mental health, um, we talked off um, briefly about there has to be some type of warning sign to to determine if a person, you know, is, is mentally not fit to possess any type of firearm. Yeah. Um, I, I, um in some of these mass shootings there were there were warning signs i mean parkland the, the high school this kid had been reported by his um his parents and his, and his friends that you know he was capable of doing doing something like this um but you take las vegas the shooting in las vegas um there was no warning signs they're still trying to figure out what caused this individual to take all these assault i think the, well, one sign was he had he he was actually the registered owner of several um, assault rifles.
0: So um, how, how would you expect, so if, if you're, if you got a complaint, you know, that you think that someone said this kid is mentally unstable, I think that they're going to cause harm to someone right now. How would you say the police has been trained to respond to that? Well, what we do, um, we get gather all the information as possible. And then we
3: try to go make contact with the, with the individual or their parents and at least try to um, investigate to see if they have the capacity to, um, you know, um, bring a gun to school and start, uh, are there firearms in the home? But there's still a fine line because people have their, you know, their rights within their own home. So we can't infringe on, you know, their um, constitutional rights. But just because, um, but then there, there is, if, if so many people, different people, and you have you have um, whatever a different entity saying, "Hey, um, John Smith, he's been bragging about it. he's going to shoot up the school uh, on Thursday," or, or uh, that's something we can we can look into and in, invest time. But if we only get one one complaint, or yeah. um, it's just it's it's very difficult to investigate yeah. or even to take some type of, um,
0: action. Yeah. And personally, I, I wasn't really saying that to put anybody on the spot. It's more like, I don't really think the police are at fault. I think it needs to come from right. higher up how we're the procedures to go through issues like that. I think need some more clarification from the government. I think it's, uh, uh, when I look at it, I look at it more as a societal thing.
2: It might be the price that we have to pay. Um, if we want Self-protection to have a gun at home to protect ourselves or to have uh, ownership of guns to go hunting uh, or for sport. Um, And just like the Internet as well. There's so many good things about it, but yet there's that bad side. And it may be a price that we have to pay, a societal price. And this experiment of the United States, you know, they call the United States kind of an experiment in bringing all these people together under one roof all these different beliefs and saying, okay, I respect you for your, your, um, your physicality. I respect you for your, uh, religious beliefs. I respect you for this. That doesn't always happen. That's yeah. ideally what we want, but there are prices that we have to pay having all this diversity under one roof. And it could be something that we just, you know, there's no matter what we do, and it's still going to
0: occur. You know, I, I always say, you know, you're, you're a product of where you come from too. You know, a lot of these kids, from my, from what I know, they don't really have much of a role model, much of an example, and we we're just sitting in training earlier this week and having the discussion. You know, as teachers, we need to make sure we're checking in with each kid that we have each day. You know, developing those relationships because we can be that role model that might be the one that stops mm-hmm. incidents like this. So what said what the way we used to be, where
2: uh, neighborhoods mm-hmm. would watch out for the the youth in their neighborhood. We've got a. It may sound cliche, but we've got to go back to that where we watch out for each other and not not put our, bury our heads in our phone so yeah. we don't have to talk to anybody yeah. and just, you know, right. I don't feel like talking to that person today. I'm just going to bury my face in my phone. Yeah. We need to start looking out for each
0: other. Yeah. I don't and, know if there's a data piece, but I wouldn't. I'd say the, the age of technology has also come with the age of mass shootings. And I don't know if that's a coincidence. I wouldn't disagree. If you, and, uh, that was a great point you made. When, we,
3: uh, when we're investigating anything to do with kids or um, a, a student that used to attend Beecher High School, Carmen Ainsworth, t- today's date, we rely on the teachers, you guys. We, we go back, we tell hey, you, um, you remember him, as, him or her as a student. We get so much valuable information from educators, people within the, you know, in school districts or in the school, we get so much information from students that were former students or current students that's valuable to help us, you know, determine if if a kid, if he committed this crime or if he's running, running around in a gang, or if they're, you know, the main thing is if they're capable of committing a mass shooting and you, um, some of the information we received from the educators here at Beecher, every high school and within Genesee County is valuable to us. So mm-hmm. you're exactly right. We get, I mean, you see these students and these these kids every day, or you uh, they went through, through high school. From, you knew them for four years, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you could be able to provide us information. It's, oh, yeah, he got hooked on drugs. That's the reason why yeah. he turned. Or oh, he hung around this group of guys. And
0: I mean, and so, that's where our small community can kind of really play to an advantage because I mean, you know, we know everybody. We have right. we have two hundred some kids in the building right now. I mean, I would say I know seventy five yeah. percent of them especially when they,
1: when they get up to me, I know all of them. Can I say this for the kids that are listening, though? There is a, a – Carmen, I know this because I've been involved in quite a bit coaching and teaching, but there's this idea of I'm not going to be a snitch. There's so much I'm not going to be a snitch that, that people turn their, turn their heads away from some serious stuff. If there's violence being threatened against somebody or against the school, uh, people have to speak up. You're exactly right. And I want to touch
3: on it. If a kid, uh, if you overhear someone jokingly about shooting up the school or harming other students, you should come forward and tell your teacher about that. I mean, you don't know how important, even if you don't think it's, you know, maybe they're joking around, tell someone of authority, you know, that You're, what
0: you overheard. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be just saving other lives. You'd be saving their life as well. That's correct. Some right. of the cause
2: of that is, 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 the bullying issue that has, has existed throughout all time. You know, I was bullied somewhat when I was in school, but I think it's gotten more to a, a, a stronger point or is more prevalent in schools now. And kids are teased or bullied for just any the way they look, the way they dress, for any little yeah. thing, if they talk a
0: little bit differently. And, and and the ones that become furious are often the ones that just become so disengaged with yeah. everything that has to do with that building to the point where they don't care about anything That's inside of it. Mm -hmm. So So we are going to move on to the last question, which asks, what is the best course of action to bring about political change in this issue? We're probably not going to solve anything here, but we're just going to post some ideas. And maybe in your discussion, you can critique those ideas and give us some of your own ideas. So uh, who wants to start us out here?
2: That's where re- representative government comes in. We, um, we are a representative democracy. And if you want change, then you have to communicate with your, uh, those people that you elect and tell them that you want the change and keep, uh, keep on them. And I, maybe to the point of threatening, uh, well, we're not going to vote for you the next time to keep you in office if you so choose. You're, you're here to represent us. And this is how we feel. And we need that. We, we want that change in our community.
0: I'm going to make a comment that hopefully will not be too controversial, but just the the worst thing that you can do as a, as a voting citizen is just do nothing. You know, you, you have no right to sit, to sit and complain if you haven't uh, came out and went to the polls. And this is where I thought it might be a little controversial. I think the black community in particular has been just willing to just let things go the way they are or they've just been collected in a way that just goes around certain issues. I think that we need to create an African-American base in these inner cities where they have a very uh, broad view of politics and the issues that, that we face as a country.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. And that's, I tell my kids all the time, you have to vote. You have to get out and vote. You have to tell your parents to vote. You have to, you have to be a part of it um, because you, you know, and I will also say what I tell my kids all the time is you have to know your rights because they don't know their rights. They think they have the right to this or they think they have the right to that. Um, and they don't. You you don't have freedom of speech in this country wholeheartedly, no. you know, you, and you don't have the right to own any gun anywhere, anytime for whatever reason you want. But most people don't know these things. They don't know the rights that are there for them, but they also don't know the limits to those rights. Uh, and and um, you don't kids don't know what the government is supposed to do for them they don't know the roles of the government they don't know any of this stuff and it's our job it's my job to teach it it's your job to teach it but if, if you don't know your rights and if you don't know how things work then you're just gonna pay the price you're, you're going
0: you're going off perception which is not always correct and you're, you're right. going off what you've heard and a lot of what we hear is, not true, especially in the digital age we live in.
1: Right, and those people that are in charge will do whatever they want if you don't stop them. And I think it's more than just in the
2: African-American community. I think community, I think it's more um, in your low socioeconomic mm-hmm. communities, the disenfranchised people. I mean, um, the Hispanic community, I mean, it, it's the new majority minority here in the United States. And look at what the the perception of them is now come with um, our government wanting to build a wall to keep them out. Um, We already have all kinds of laws in place, just enforce those laws that are already in place. We don't need to build that kind of wall, but you have all these people that are feel disenfranchised and they don't have a voice. And I think if they felt like they had a voice, we just went through some training um, this week, um, restorative justice and, in order for that to work, you have to give your students a voice. They have to be heard. And I think a lot of these communities, these poor, disenfranchised communities, don't feel they're being heard. Right. And if they if they get that feeling of being heard, okay, we're going to come together, we're going to be organized, and we're going to let our leaders in the government know how
0: we feel, and we're going to vote this way if you don't, you know, um, answer I th- our concerns. I, I think young people are the, perhaps the most important in this conversation mm-hmm. because the the cycle we've gone through in the last five six years is there's a mass shooting, everybody in the media talks about and says we need to change things, we need to change things, and we just let people we'll forget the about them.
1: If you are in the
0: and we're getting an announcement, and you
3: have a second, you can come and pick up your t-shirt.
0: All right, I'd like to thank everybody here for coming and giving their time, you know, we're on like the last day of school here for me and Mr. Fenton, so we're taking our time out to do this. Um, I'm just going to kind of go around so everybody just say one final piece and
1: we're going to end it here. So I'm just going to say that uh, and what I was just saying off the mic was um, I think a lot of people will agree that there has to be something done about all the violence and the death that takes place in this country and specifically about gun violence um, I think some there's a, a serious percentage of deaths in this country are related to guns every year. And they're not just mass shootings. They're not just assault weapons. There are people on the street and in their homes and everywhere else. Um, and I think for, for young people to have a voice in that matter, you've got to decide what you want. and You have to decide. Uh, you have to know what you're supposed to know in, in order to make anything happen, make any change happen. And uh, find people who are like-minded and and do it in the future so that we don't have any of this stuff. We don't have to worry about this stuff as much anymore.
2: I agree. I think that uh, the majority of the citizens of this country are are really good people, law-abiding people who who want to live uh, harmoniously with other people in this country. Uh, But you do have those that um, uh, don't feel like they belong. And I think it's important to try as best we can to give everybody a,
3: uh, a voice
2: and maybe some of this stuff would, um, go
3: by the wayside. I just want to say to the, um, young adults, young people, um, firearms are a serious business. Um, they're nothing to play with. Um, they can change your life forever. They can take your life or they can put you in prison for a very long time. Um, They're not things to be played, used as games. Um, And that goes for if you see your friends playing with firearms, you're doing them a favor. Report this to someone. Report this to someone with authority because you could be saving their life or your life or someone, a stranger's life. But games are not um, guns are not toys. They're serious. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you being here.